This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Yeah? Okay, Shalom Aleichem, everyone. First of all, uh, tonight we're live, and I would like to thank um, all the girls in Toronto. They, they have, um, they're starting this week with um, Wednesday with Wallerstein, the three W's. We used to have this in Kansas, but now we have it in Toronto. There's a bunch of girls far away across the border that are sitting in a room like this tonight and um, watching this year live. We want to thank them very, very much and everyone who put it together. So that's your shout-out. You, you can see me, but I can't see you. Uh, we're learning for Rufu Shalema. Mordechai ben Leia. Mordechai ben Leia should have a total Rufu Shalema from Hashem. All right. Also, announcement. Um, it shouldn't happen, Tisha B'Av, but if it does happen, well, it's going to happen. Tisha B'Av is going to happen. The ninth of Av is going to happen, but um, it should be a yant if we should celebrate it. But if we don't celebrate it, um, so we have, of course, the tish, well, we have it here in Ornava, an, an amazing schedule. Um, Monday night, uh, the fast begins at 8.11, Meyer's at 8.55 with Eicha. At 9.45, I will speak on the subject as the dawn of Mashiach approaches. Um, that's Monday night. Tuesday... From 11 to 12, is I'm, I'm going to do Kinnis. From 12.15 to 1 is Rabbi Label Lamb. From 1.15 to 2 o'clock is Charlie Harari. From 2.15 to 3 o'clock is Rabbi Dubi Ben Susan. Uh, then we have the Chafetz Chaim. From 3.15 to 5.15. 5.15 is, is um, Ivy Kalazan. Um, 6.15 is the Chafetz Chaim again. And then 8.15 to 9 is Rabbi Shmuel Skase. At 9 o'clock, um, the fast ends. Lashon Abab Yerushalayim. If for some reason you cannot get here, um, you can you can view all the shiurim live at www.ornava.com. You can go online and you can watch it live. It's course sponsored by Junie, Junie Jr. And um, we hope that we'll be in Eretz Yisrael. But if not, um, if not, we'll be here. So be here. Now, um, this week's parsha. I have an interesting story. I just came back from Eretz Yisrael. I was there for a while. We went to all the um, kvarim. We went to all the live tzaddikim. Baruch Hashem. Got a lot of brachas for everybody. For everybody in Arnava. Um, so I have a very interesting story that happened to me. So, but before that, we're going to learn a little bit about the parsha. So this week's parsha is parsha's Pinchas. Pinchas ben Eloza ben Aaron HaKohen. But we have to go back to understand this week's parsha. We have to go back to last week's parsha. At the end... In the Pasha, in Balak, Balak hired Bilam to curse Klai Yisrael. It didn't work. Every time he opened his mouth, out came brachos. So they realized that, um, that they couldn't use the power of the Jew against us. In other words, when we got benched by, when Yaakov Avinu got benched, so we got benched, Kol Kol Yaakov, the power of Klai Yisrael is the voice. Yedayim de Esav, the power of Esav, is the hand, is war, is killing. They wanted to use, Bilam and Balak wanted to use the power of the Jew against the Jew. So they wanted to use the Kol Kol Yaakov against us, which meant they wanted to use words, so they wanted to curse us. So they tried to use our power against us, because really the way to destroy the enemy is to take his own, his own sword and kill him with his own sword. So Bilam wanted to kill us with our own sword, with Kol Kol Yaakov. So he tried. He tried to use his voice. He tried to curse Klaistro. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu changed all the curses into brachos, into blessings. 
one of the most important psukim that we say every morning, Matayvu Alecha Yaakov, Mishkan Yisrael, actually was said by Bilam. As part of the curses that turn into a bracha, this Matovu that we say every day is actually from him. And it's a very beautiful medrash that I think is very important in all our lives. The medrash asks, how could you name a parsha in the Torah, in the holy, holy, holy Torah, how could you name a parsha after a Russia? We have a couple of parshas that are named after people's names. Noach, Yisro, Yisro did what became a Geyer. Balak is a Russia. How could you name a parsha in the Torah after a Russia? Right? It's a very good question. Balak was always a Russia. He never did Shuva. And the Teretz is that because of Balak, Balak hired Bilam. And he paid Bilam to curse us. So his machshava is what he wanted to do was to hurt us very much. But in the end, what happened from it? We got all these brachas. And one of those brachas is Matobu Lechiyako, which is one of our biggest brachas. You come to shul, first thing you say is Matobu Lechiyako. So therefore, Hashem is showing us that the biggest Russia, who had the most terrible thoughts to hurt us, but from his money that he paid Bilam came a bracha, we owe to name him a parsha after him in the Torah. That's how far Hakar Satov goes. He didn't want to do anything good for us. He wanted to destroy us. doesn't matter. Even though he wanted to destroy us, since from it came a bracha, Hashem said he has a right to have a name in the parsha, in the Torah, after him, Bolak. Crazy. Have a parsha named Bolak? The parsha right after that is the biggest tzaddik. It's Pinchos ben Allah, ben Aaron the passion before that is, is Balak. And the answer is that even if a person has a bad intention to hurt you, but if something good comes out of it, you still have to have a curse of Torah. To the level that he had a name named after him in the Torah. To the level, to the level, because, because of him we got brachos, who came from Balak? Rus. Dalat Amelas came from Balak. Through Rus. Because Rus came from Moab. Right? So from him came the Machus of Klai Yisrael. So, why? Why does he deserve such a thing? He's a Russia. That would have should come from, from, from Balak. And the Territ is, because even though he was a Russia, from him came, every time he stopped to curse Klai Yisrael, he brought seven karbanos, seven sacrifices, and then Bilam opened his mouth, and there were all curses. So why don't we name a Pasha Bilam? Bilam is the one who gave the brachas, not Bullock. Because Bilam was a hired man. He was hired by Bullock. Bullock paid him. He didn't do us a favor. He got paid for what he did. No Hakar Satov. Doesn't deserve Hakar Satov. He got houses full of money. So his name was never mentioned. Just the opposite. He was a big Russia. But Bullock's name is just... So imagine if a person who's a Russia wants to hurt you and something good comes out of it, Hashem names a Pasha... Imagine the reward for a person who wants to do good for you and does good for you. This guy wanted to hurt us. And he's a Russia. Imagine a tzaddik who wants to do good for somebody. Imagine the reward. Hakaras HaTov, you don't understand. I wrote a book on it, but Hakaras HaTov, by God, is like the most important thing in the world. 
He's very, very makpid in Akar Satov. And the book that we're about to write, which is Kivit of Aim, is based on Akar Satov. And that's why Kivit of Aim, treating your parents correctly, is not in the second five of the mitzvahs in the, in the Ten Commandments, but it's in the first five, Bein Adam Lamakom, between us and Hashem. Should be in the second one. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't be jealous. All the, all the, you shouldn't kidnap. All the, all the ones that have to do with human and human. Why is it with the one with God? Because it ha- it's based on our karasatov. At the end of the day, you, 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 your parents diapered you for who knows how long, and burped you, and didn't. Baruch Hashem, I have grandchildren right now at home, and I appreciate that I'm a grandfather because I don't have to walk around with them all night. And, 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 and burp them and they're crying at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. My daughter and son-in-law, they're walking around. They have bags under their eyes. You could, you could, you could fill up those bags with, with groceries. They're so big. Right? And Baruch Hashem, my grandfather's like, okay, till they cry. Then you hand them off. My father-in-law, Oliver Shalom, he said some very interesting things in his life. One of the things he said, any grandparent would understand this, he said, if I would have known that my grandchildren would be so good, I would have skipped my kids. So it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a big thing. Your parents burped you. They stayed up all night. Forget about it. you. Don't like them. They didn't do this. They didn't buy you a car. Whatever it was, they took care of you. They diapered you. They fed you. They burped you. They took care of you. There's no limit to it. It's not about whether whether you like them, you don't like them, or they got you what you wanted, or they didn't get what you want. They brought you into this world. So some girls say to me, "Why should I have a car I hate this world. I'm miserable." I should thank them that they brought me to this world. I hate this world. I want to get out of this world. I'm miserable, Ray Wallstein. Why do I have to have kibbutz of aim? And the answer is, what parents give every child is life. And what is life? Potential. And for potential? For potential? You can't have enough across the time. You can't have enough appreciation. Ah, you went through this and you went through that and you're angry and, you want to, and, you're, and you're depressed and, you're, and, and, you're, and you got all kinds of stuff going on in your life and Oh my gosh, and I wish they wouldn't have brought me into this world. At the end of the day, the bottom line is that you're alive, and if you're alive, you have potential. And for the gift of potential, you can never thank someone for the gift of potential. And the gift of potential is life. So even if you're miserable, and you want to get out of here, and whatever you are, and how depressed you are, the end of the day, if you're alive, that can change. And if you're alive, you have the potential of doing anything. I think that word today has been destroyed. People don't think they have potential. One of the basis, Baruch Hashem, I was on the ranch, um, which reminds me, we're looking to hire, if anyone's interested, if anyone's watching, uh, we're looking to hire two girls to work in Arnava in the office. We have two vacancies. We're looking for two secretaries, a little bit more than secretaries, know how to do you know, money things a little bit, input, output. One one person he has to know that, and the other one... The no, not in the ranch. Here, in Borough Park. Not in the ranch. You don't have to schlep up to the ranch. No, right here in, in our Brooklyn office in Borough Park. So whoever's interested, whoever's watching, whether are interested in a job to work for Ornava, the honor to have a job to work in Ornava, um, definitely, definitely, um, we're looking for two. What? Full-time. You have to know the computer. Yeah, I'm afraid so. I, that's why I can't get a job there. Because I, I don't know anything about a computer. But um, anyway, so when I'm talking about the ranch, just I want to give you an explanation. So when I was 
traveling through many rehabs, um, one of the most fascinating outside of horses, which I have to tell you is just I'm just watching the girls that are up there. There's nothing. There's, there's nothing like it. The therapy of a horse is just unbelievable. They came in. There's flies. I don't like flies. I don't like this. I don't like. I don't like the horse's tail. I don't like him. It's dirty. It smells. You know, we have like you know Jewish girls. Like you know, they don't like horses. Now they're all riding. It's my horse, right? Well, see, get away from that horse. That's my horse. You're not riding on my horse. So that equine therapy is amazing. But there's another therapy, which is very fascinating. Which I, Baruch Hashem, I have some amazing staff up there. And one of them is a farmer. He's a farmer, um, Jewish kid, a Jewish boy who lived in, in Alaska for three, four years in the woods on his own. He's a survivalist. Um, then he married a very beautiful Jewish girl, and she's a therapist. What better to have than a survivalist and a therapist in your ranch? Um, so he's a farmer. He's a farmer. And I told him that one of the therapies that I saw in my travels is called agricultural therapy, which, which kids who don't believe that they have any potential... I have no potential. I don't want to be here anymore. God, I want, to, I want Hashem to take me back. I'm done. I'm depressed. I can't do anything. Everything I touch falls apart. I have no friends. You plant corn. And you plant tomatoes. And you plant cucumbers. And they planted radishes. And they planted a lot of other things. Right? And you plant something in the ground. And you planted it. And then four days later, it starts to grow. And then you watch it grow. And you water it. And you take care of it. And you put a fence around it to protect it from the animals. And then one day, you who thought you could do nothing, is picking your corn and your tomatoes and your cucumbers and you're not sharing it with anybody because it's yours, right? And what person can't do that? What person doesn't have the potential to put a seed in the ground and water it? Everybody does. So agriculture therapy shows you that for sure at least you can be a farmer and you can make things grow. And that opens up in a human being, their ability, what we call the third eye, to be able to see past the darkness and the anxiety, and they're able to work with the earth. I'm very into that. I'm very into connecting to Hashem's Bria. My connection to Hashem, I, I'm working on it that it should be through learning, okay? But my connection to Hashem is through His creation. Just to, to be part of His creation, to breathe the air, to to plant, to, you know, I have outside my house, um, there's a guy, Norman, in Muncie, who's a very um, homopathic, to say the least, a hippie, um, and he's very into the earth and everything else. He chops his own wood and whatever it is. So one day he came to my house, he's like, he's like, Zachariah, you know, I brought you some peppermint. I'm like, what am I going to do with that? I live in Brooklyn. He says, no, you're going to plant it in front of your house. They grow, they get crazy, very, they grow like wild. And you're gonna make peppermint tea. I'm like, yeah, okay. So maybe we should, we'll put we'll put coffee out there. We'll we'll grow cocoa beans. We'll you know we'll have a whole garden. He says, no, you'll you'll see. Then he brought the next week lemongrass, which is amazing. So you're gonna make tea from that also. I'm like, I don't know exactly New York air if I want to make tea from the like what's growing in there, but whatever it is. Anyway, to make a long story short, every morning when I walk out of my house, every morning. I go over to the peppermint and I take the leaf and I make a bracha and I smell it. And then I take the lemongrass which smells amazing and I crush the leaf and, I'm, and I, I, I already made the bracha and I smell it and I say thank you Baruch Hu, that you brought smells into the world. 
And then I try to figure out, I don't chat. On the same piece of ground, ground has no smell. So if you take the dirt, actually it's not true. I'm sorry. New York ground has no smell. <laughs> but if you go up to the mountains where they're, where, they're talking, where they're farming and you take that red, that red, you know, wet mud and you smell it, earth has smell. It does have a smell. But anyway, it doesn't really have a good smell. It has a smell. And you have these, these two plants. Here's a peppermint plant, and here's a lemongrass plant. And I'm like, they're both coming out of the ground that doesn't smell. Where are they getting the smell from? Where does the smell come from? Smell is a real thing. It's not coming from the ear. The ear doesn't smell. The ground doesn't smell. So it's not from the ear. It's not from the ground. It's not from the water, and it's not from the sun. The four things that make a plant grow, right? In the plant that Hashem created... There's a smell. Even though they're both coming out of the same place in the earth, right next to each other, they smell different. And if you had ten different ones, they all ten would smell different. I'm like, you're, you're like my superstar. Like, how do you do this? Why did you do this? There's so many millions of people that don't smell anything during the day. They walk out of the day, all they do is smell the garbage. They walk around all day, this smells, ugh, that smells, ugh. There are so many good smells. Okay. So I knew this, and I I connect. That's how I connect to Akush Baruch Hu. The potential of a human being to enjoy what's around him. I'm talking to my daughter this week. She wants to help in the ranch. She's an OT. And she says to me, you know, there's a whole therapy, aromatherapy. I'm like, what, do you, what does that mean? She goes, there's a whole therapeutic part about OT, which she is, that you can heal people you can relax people through smell. I'm like, okay. She goes, no, there are different smells for different things. Peppermint, if you have a headache, a migraine or a very bad headache, and you take peppermint, and you smell it very deeply, you'll take your headache away. I'm like, okay, you know, aromatherapy. Okay. And this week, I made a joke out of it. So what does Hashem do? He gives me this crazy headache one morning. I'm like, okay, I got my peppermint plants. I didn't really believe what she said. You know what, I'm going to try it. So I took a bunch of them, and I, I took a very deep breath. Goodbye, headache. Really? I, goodbye, headache. So instead of taking two Tylenols, which affect your liver, right? Instead of t- taking that. So if you, if you okay, again, we don't, we're, we're New Yorkers. We're not living in that life. But everything is in the Bria. Everything is in Hashem's creation. So everybody has the potential to be a farmer. Everybody has the potential to make something grow. And that's life. And therefore, since your parents brought you into this world where there is food and taste and smell and sunshine and a lot of good things. Yes, there's a lot of hard things. I'm not saying there isn't. But you have the potential to connect. You have the potential to make a bracha, bracha to Hashem, to bless Hashem. You can't do that in the next world. There's a crazy amount of Akarasato that you owe them. So much that's in the first ten of the uh, sorry, it's in the first ten of the Sarasadibros. Now I wasn't going to talk about this tonight, I wasn't going to go to Kibbut of Aim. I'm talking about Pinchas. But I guess someone in this room has to hear it. Maybe it's me. Someone someone's struggling with their parents and thinks they owe them nothing. It's not true. It's not true. Doesn't mean they're allowed to abuse you, 
doesn't mean a lot of scream at you. It doesn't mean a lot of hit you. That's not what I'm talking about. But at the end of the day, Kibbutz of Aim is one of Hashem's. There's only two. Shluchakan and Kibbutz of Aim. Where Hashem says in the Ten Commandments that I will give you long life. It is so important to me that a person has a curse that told that I will give you long life. Therefore, Balak, the Russia, who did it to hurt us and destroy us, still has a name in the Pasha, and because of him, 24,000 men died in a Magaifa. He still has a name in the Pasha. Because in the end, he gave us a bracha matavulachiyak. What happens? Balak and Bilam realize you cannot use the word of the mouth against the Jews. That's our power. So they said, fine, that's not going to work. What we're going to do, we're going to get the Jews, the men, the men, to sin with our girls, with our daughters. And then Hashem, when, he, when Hashem sees immorality, he's unforgiving. And he's going to get angry. What Bilam was trying to do the whole time, to the one second that Hashem is angry in the morning, whatever that means, he wanted to curse us during that moment. That didn't work. So they came up with a brilliant idea. We're going to get Hashem really angry at them. We're going to cause immorality. So they sent their beautiful daughters down to Klaistro. Balak, who was a king, sent his princess, his daughter, who was a princess, down. And that was Cosby Basur, who was sinning with Zimri ben Sule, the one, the Nasi from, from Shimon. He sent his own and says that he, at that point, there were five kings. He was the top of the five kings. But when he took his own daughter to send her down for Znus, he dropped all the way down. That was their brain brain thing, to get the Jews to do Znus. If they do Znus, they do immorality, they got him. Hashem will destroy them. And they were right. How did they get them? How did they get these 24,000 men to who came out of Mitzrayim, who saw the Kabbalah Satira, who who were not Rishayim, how did they get them to fall? You have a very big share in Eretz Yisrael, it's on Torah anytime, in the yeshiva, to boys, on Shmir Senaim, on watching your eyes, and watching what you look at, uh, that you're not supposed to look at. In Kriyashma, in Kriyashma, spoke about it last night also, so in the last part of Kriyashma, what do you say? You say, Say it twice a day, or three times a day. What does that mean? What does susuru mean? Doesn't mean you shouldn't look at girls. You shouldn't follow. So, the Avera, if someone's walking the street, a guy's walking the street, a girl, he's in Manhattan, and a, a girl not dressed walks in front of him. He, he wasn't looking for it. He wasn't in a bad place. He was in a good place, you know, Park Avenue somewhere. And because it's very hot outside, this Goyish girl was dressed, totally not dressed, right? And all of a sudden she walks in front of him. What's he supposed to do? So the Aveira is like Sasuru after the Rafa You should not follow her. In other words, when she walks by, she's in front of you. But then to, Follow what you just saw. So suru means to follow. That's the avera. The avera is not the first look because it wasn't your fault. So suru means to follow. So how come it doesn't say loy suru achrei einichem? 
Don't follow your eyes and don't follow your heart. Because when the girl walked in front of the boy, he wasn't looking to see anything that he shouldn't. But if he decides to turn his head to follow what he saw, that's coming first from the heart, not from the eyes. Now, if somebody, something walked by you shouldn't see. Or something showed up on a girl's computer. It's not only by a guy. Something showed up on a girl's computer. She shouldn't be watching this porn or whatever this garbage is on her computer. And it pops up. They have these pop-ups. You didn't know. It says, call me and meet, look at, you know, an emergency. And you open it up. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, what's that? Right? So if you hit the disconnect button, fine. It wasn't your fault that popped up. I mean, it was your fault that whatever. We're not going to get to the whole internet thing, right? When it popped up, they sent you a, an iPad, and you thought it was a picture of a girl, your friend in Eretz Yisrael. Please look at this immediately. And you put, you turn it on, you're like, whoa, what is that, right? So if you turn it off right away, it wasn't your fault. But if you're like, what was that? Let me see what that was. And you start following what you saw. So then you're over that Avera. And the reason you're doing it is because your heart's telling you, hey, check that out. So a guy said to me over the years, okay, no, Rebbe, get over it. So there's a girl and she wasn't that nicely dressed and she's walking in, in New York. So I watched her walk down the street. So bad. I didn't know her. I didn't call her. I didn't follow her. Come on, Rabbi Wallstein, chill. I said, read the rest of the Pasuk. You say it three times a day. From Sosuru, following what you're seeing, in the end, says the part, you say it, you guys say it. How do you, what do you understand? What does that word mean? You say it three times a day. From the Sosuru, I'm just going to watch this, I'm just going to watch that. It's not the end of the world. The Pasuk says in Kriyashma, In the end, you're going to be a Zoyinachreyem. Say it three times a day. I didn't write that. That's Kriyashma. The person has to be very careful, boys and girls. Girls have the same din. If you're going to watch things you shouldn't, not only that, it's probably even worse. It's probably worse by a girl. Why? Because in Mitzvah Hashem, one day she's going to be pregnant. She's going to carry a child. And that child is affected by whatever the mother hears, sees, or eats. The man doesn't carry the child. So he has his own din of Shemir Sinai. But a woman carries a child. Then you don't understand. My kid, this, that. What do you mean? The Gemara talks about that. The biggest tzaddikim was because their mothers went, when they were pregnant, went into the base medrash and sat in the back. Ah, the baby wasn't even born yet. And sometimes they brought the baby... Since the baby heard Tyra all day, even in the womb, it's a different baby. So a woman has just as much of a responsibility to keep her eyes clean. They, you know, it's always on boys. They're always yelling at boys, but about Shemir Sinai. Women have Shemir Sinai too. You're not allowed to watch these things. They have an effect on your neshama, which in turn has an effect on the neshama of the child. She's the Ikeras Habayas. First, has to be very careful, specifically in the summer, where everybody's looser. Specifically in the summer, be very careful what they watch. So how do they get these guys? And the Medrash says, they would have an old, old, not pretty woman standing outside the tent. And they were selling silk. The Medrash says, they were selling silk. The Jews had no silk in the Midbar. So they were a market, they opened the market, and the Jewish men went to buy silk for their wives. 
And outside, there was this ugly old person. So they're like, I'm not going to do a sin with that. I'm not, I'm not interested in that. So she would specifically, if it would have been a nice young girl, they would have ran away. So they said, this, this is just a sample of the silk. But I have all the spools of silk in the tent. So coming into the tent. Okay, so the guy's doing business. He's going into the tent with an old lady. But what was waiting in the tent? A young girl. They should have ran for their lives, but they didn't. And the young girl said, sit down, and let's talk prices, and this and that and the other thing. And why don't you have something to drink? And we know you're not allowed, we're not allowed to touch the wine. And they, were mamish, they knew all the halachas. And they got the guy to get whatever it is. In the end, they got the guy to serve Abay Zazara because they got him drunk. They got him to serve Abay Zazara. They got him to do Averus with them. Totally fell apart. The halacha of not drinking unkosher wine or wine that's touched by a guy that's not mavushal comes from this week's parsha. Because they got them drunk and once they got them drunk, they drank with them once they got... So if you... If the guy can't open the drink and it can't be goyish or wine, so it's a protection that you're not going to get drunk with them. Once you get drunk with them, you're going to do Averis with them. And in the end, they ended up doing the worst Averis. The worst Averis. And 24,000 of them died. And they were dying. And Hashem would have destroyed Klai And this Nasi, Zimri got up with Kazbi, who was his princess, and they were doing a sin in front of the whole, in front of the whole Klai and Moshe Rabbeinu had a problem. As he was standing there, a man from Kaisrol came, a Yaakov Alechov, and he brought to his brothers this Midjanis, this Midjanis, the Ene Moshe. To the eyes of Moshe, the Ene Koladafine Yisrael. They were doing this Aveir in front of Moshe Rabbeinu and all of Kaisrol. The Hema Baichim Pesachalomoit. And Moshe Rabbeinu was crying, says Rashi, not just Moshe Rabbeinu, but it was Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron. And they were crying, and they didn't know what to do. Moshe Rabbeinu had a problem. The problem Moshe Rabbeinu had is that he married a girl from Midian. He married Sipporah. Sipporah was the daughter of Yisro from Midian. So if he opened his mouth and said, what are you doing? He would have said back, what do you mean? I'm not anything different than you are. You took a Midianus, I took a Midianus. I, Moshe Rabbeinu's Midianus became a ger. And this woman did it. Moshe Rabbeinu knew if he's going to say something, he's going to throw it right back at him. So he didn't say anything. Okay. But yeah, Pinchas ben Eloz ben Aaron And Pinchas ben Eloz ben Aaron Akayin saw what was going on. By Yaakov, this beautiful person. By Yaakov, mitoich ha'eda. And he got up from within the people. He took a spear in his hand. And he speared the boy, the woman, and the man together as one. And the Magefa stopped. There's many questions here because, because at this point, Pinchas wasn't a coin yet anyway, but he was a Kanoi and he had to do it in that moment. But he saved Klai Yisrael. And Akash Baruch says in this week's Pasha, Pinchas ben Olaza ben Aaron Akayin, Pinchas the son of Olaza ben Akayin, Heishev is Hamasi, he took away my anger. Now Hamasi is a malach, called the malach of Chema. And once Hashem lets that malach go, there's no stopping him from killing people. 
So it's the first time ever that Hashem sent the Malachema out, which killed the 24,000. But because of what Pinchas did, he took him back, he took him back, which he never did before. So Heishav as Hamasi, I brought back my Malachema. I took him back from killing, from, from the Magaifa. Okay? What? No, he didn't know, he, he was, it says it was a punishment for him because he said when all the Jews were online and Yisrael said, we have to get other people to meet the people, right? So he said, okay, let the regular people meet all these people, but the questions that no one knows how to answer, bring to me. And Hashem felt that was gaiva. Bring a big shot. All of this, you can't answer it, bring to me. So Hashem said three times, I'm going to make it that you don't know the answer. You said, you don't know the answer, bring to me? Oh, you think you're... Ah! Punishment was, this was one. The other was the Makalo, who cursed, he didn't know what to do with. And the Benos Salafchad, he had to ask. This week's Pasha. It was a punishment. It wasn't about God, but because he said, if, if they don't know the answer, come to me. Really, you think you know everything? Three times you're going to be stuck, you're not going to know the answer. This was one of the three. Okay. So there's, there's a couple of things you need to know here. Number one, the Torah says, the Kana is Kinasi B'Seicham. He used the word B'Seicham because usually when a person is a Kanai and he wants to do something, he gathers other people, like Kairach. Kairach had a whole group. Let's go against Moshe Rabbeinu. Usually they don't do it by themselves. Pichas was very Makbid that what he felt he was doing, he wasn't taking any, he wasn't splintering the Jews, like, do you hope we should do this? Do you hope we shouldn't do this? He's from Shimon, he's that. No, I'm going to do this myself. I'm not going to get anyone else involved, number one. Number two, maybe he was a bad guy, Pinchas, and he was just looking to find a Jew doing something wrong and kill him. So the Torah tells us, He didn't have a, Spear in his hand, walking around. Ooh, who could I, who could I stab? Who's doing an Avera? No, he was a, he was a beastly shaman. He was a peaceful man. He had to go and get the spear. He wasn't a guy walking around in shul. Shh, shh, what are you doing? He wasn't a guy looking. See, oh, you talk. Oh, you have a phone. Jump on him. No, he had to go get the, he wasn't looking for that. He had to go get the spear. Okay, that's number one. Now, in the Sefer Gugulim, it talks about neshamas that come back. It says that, in Rashi says this even, that Pinchas was a Gilgal of Nadav and Avihu. Nadav and Avihu was, was Aaron's children, and on the opening day of the Mishkan, there were, what was supposed to happen was a fire was supposed to come from heaven, Onto the Mizbeach HaKetores, and that would, that's the opening day, opening of the Mishkan, where the fire, Hashem would send the fire, would burn the Ketores, that would be open. They're standing there, Nobel and Avi, they're standing there, and they're waiting. No fire. No fire. No fire. They said to each other, oh my God, this is embarrassing to God. You know, the Jews are waiting, it doesn't seem to be like God sending down the fire. So let's us light the fire, right, and get, the, get it going. So they went, they lit the fire. So fire came out of Shemayim and killed both of them. Why? Because it made it look like that Hashem couldn't send the fire down. That they had to do the fire. So it was a very huge Chil Hashem. But they wanted to do the right thing. 
They, 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 they wanted to do it for Hashem. doesn't matter. Hashem said, wait until I send down a fire. And you listen. Don't make your own cheshbonis. We talked about this. This is what Hashem wants. Don't. What's the word I use? Rationalize. Don't rationalize. So they made a big kill Hashem. Because they lit the fire. Like Hashem couldn't light the fire. So they were killed, both of them. Now they both never got married. Because they felt that they're too holy to be married to a woman, tame, this and that. So they never got married. Now a neshama of a person is only half until you get married. So the, each one of them was only a half neshama. So together they were one neshama. And they had to fix what they did. They did a very big Avera. They made a very big Shul Hashem, but they were the sons of Aaron HaKohen. So Hashem brought them back in the neshama of Pinchas. Pinchas went ahead and made a tikkun on their neshama by making the biggest Kiddush Hashem. Here there was a big Shul Hashem. This Nasi was doing an Avera with this Midianite woman. He came and killed them both. Made a big Kiddush Hashem in front of Hashem. So he was misakain. He fixed what another of you did wrong. But it wasn't totally fixed. He fixed the Chil Hashem. But when you do Tikkun on a Gilgal, you got to do the whole thing. And part of what they did wrong was they brought a fire on the Mizbeach that they weren't supposed to. And he didn't fix that. He fixed the Chil Hashem. So the Mepharshim say that now Pinchas, who fixed another Aviyu, became Eliyohan Navi. Became Eliyohan Navi. Now, if you know the story with Eliyohan Navi, I'll tell you to you very short, because I want to tell you very fast the story that happened to me in Eretz Yisrael. If you know the story of Eliyohan Navi, the story of Eliyohan Navi was like this. Eliyohan Navi was a Navi. At that time, there were a lot of Nevi'im Shekhar. They were Nevi'i Baal. They were Nevi'im who said they were God's Nevi'im, but they were Nevi'im of Avayda Zara. And the Jewish nation was following the Nevi'i Hesheker. So Eliyahu came to them and said, you can't, you can't go to shul, have a Pesach Seder, and serve Avayda Zara. You can't, you can't do both. And he did something very drastic. Eliyahu did something very drastic. Eliyahu was Pinchas, don't forget. Pinchas did something very drastic. Eliyahu Nabi did something very drastic. He said the following. He said, He went to the nation. He said, Until when are you going to play on both sides? If Hashem's our God, follow Him. And if Baal, the Abedizah is your God, go after Him. And the people didn't answer. So what he said to them is, I'm forcing you to make a choice. That's a little scary. I, I don't know that I would have agreed with him. In other words, if someone comes to shul and he, he comes to Davin and then he takes his iPhone and he's talking on it, right? At least he came to shul. Should I tell him iPhone or shul? If somebody puts on tillin, right? He's putting on tillin, but he's not wearing, in the airport, but he's not wearing a yarmulke and he's in the middle of a Burger King sandwich. Right? And he just put down his Burger King sandwich and put it on his tefillin. Should I tell him, uh-uh, listen, man. You either wear tefillin, right? You either wear tefillin and you're kosher, or if you're going to eat a Burger King, don't, don't put on your tefillin. Lubavitch will be closed. Close the whole Lubavitch, if that was the case. So, here, Leon we got up and said, hey guys, no, no more games. You either are an avoid the Zarenik, or you're God. You can't be both. 
I don't know about that. Right? I don't know about that. He forced them to make a choice. They didn't know what to answer. So what he said was, okay, we're going to make two Mizbeachs. You guys are going to make a Mizbeach, an altar for Avodah Zarah. I'm going to make a Mizbeach for Hashem. You're going to call up to your Avodah Zarah to send down a fire to burn the carpet. I'm going to call my Hashem. You guys go first. Okay, so what did they do? The Nevi'e Baal, they were crooks. They knew they, were, they, knew they, they had no God. It was a fake. So they took a guy and they put him in the Mizbeach, a hollow Mizbeach, and they gave him fire. And they said, when we scream out, fire, you light it from inside. The flame's going to come from, right, in the Mizbeach, through the Mizbeach. Flame's going to come up. We win. So they stuck him in the Mizbeach and they built the Mizbeach around him. And Hashem sent a snake. And the snake killed him. And the Nevi'e Abba was screaming, fire, fire from heaven, from heaven. Of course, nothing was happening. They were talking to the guy inside, but he was dead. And this went on a whole day. And the other said, I'm not doing nothing. You keep screaming. In fact, my favorite passage in the whole Torah is, listen to this, passage of Zion. At new time, Eliyahu said to them, cry out in a loud voice, for he is God. Maybe he's talking to someone else. Maybe he's on his iPhone. Or maybe he's in the bathroom. Or maybe he's asleep. If you scream loud enough, they'll wake up. He made fun of them. They called out as, as much as they could. They cut themselves with swords and knives according to their custom till the blood spurted out. They were cutting themselves. You see that this cutting comes, it's not something new. But nothing happened. So the Yom come to me, and they came to him, and he took 12 stones and he made them his Bayach, and he put on them his Bayach. Um, the wood and a, and, a, and a cow and he put he poured water on it and when it came to the mincha time he said Hashem let them all know that you are the God of Yisrael and I am your servant Aneni Hashem Aneni it's where it comes from Aneni Hashem Aneni please answer me and it came down and it burnt it burnt all the the wood it burnt everything and they bowed down Hashem Elokim. That's what we say at the end of Hello? When do you say Hashem Elokim? Seven times. At the end of Nehilah. The last thing you say on Yom Kippur. Full of Shana Bob Yushalayim. Hashem Elokim. That's what they said. And it says after that he went up in a chariot and that was it. The Tikkun was finished. Why was the Tikkun finished? Because the whole Avera of Nadav and Aviyu was they didn't wait. They did not wait. They went and brought a fire because they could not wait. They didn't have patience. Eliyahu Navi now stood there and waited a whole day and didn't bring a fire. Until the end of the day when the fire came down. The fire that was supposed to come down by, by the Mishkan, by, by, by Nadav and Aviyu, but they didn't wait. Now the fire came down over here. Eliyahu was Pinchos, who was Nadav and Aviyu, was massacring the whole thing. Which explains the Pasek. Because the first passage in Pinchas says, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen. Pinchas wasn't the son of, Ela- of Aaron HaKohen. Pinchas was the son of Elazar, and Pinchas was the son of Aaron HaKohen, says the passage. Pinchas wasn't the son of Aaron HaKohen. But if Pinchas was Nadav Avihu, if Pinchas was a Gilgul of Nadav Avihu, who was Nadav Avihu's father? Aaron. So Pinchas was the son of Elazar, but because of the Gilgul, he was also the son of Aaron. 
And that explains the first Torah. That's Torah. Now let me tell you my fast story. Crazy story that happened to me in Eretz Yisrael. Tomorrow. A week, a week ago tomorrow. It was an amazing trip. Went to, I went to Amuka. I went to places I never went. The Rambam, the Ramban, the Rabbi Yechenen Kohen Gadol, his Talmidim, the Ariyar Kadosh. I mean, everywhere. Rav Shimon Bayechoi, Kevar Rochel, Moritz HaMachpelah, Rav Chaim, Rav Steinman, Gedoylem, Tzadikim. I was on the high of all high. Every day was seeking. Forget, what more can you get in life? You can't get more. Comes Thursday. It's around 1 o'clock. And I was, I was somewhere. And I went to pick up something that was very valuable. And I had to go down Mincha. Because I was flying Thursday night. I was flying home. So I had to go down Mincha. So my friend who was with me said, let's call a taxi. You know, let's call one of the taxis. I said, what do you call a taxi for? On the street where I was. There's a main street. There's 100,000 taxis. Let's just wave a taxi. Okay. Hashem runs the world. We wave a taxi. Taxi pulls up. Get into the taxi. I'm looking to see Romema, some kind of name on the taxi. Nothing. I'm looking to see the name of the driver. It's usually on the side. Nothing. This guy's an Arab. Not only is he an Arab, but when we said we want to go Davin and Shul, right? So I said where I want to go. He had no idea where it was. So we said put it in my ways. So I don't know how to use ways because I don't have, I don't have ways. So, so he gives it to my friend. And everything on the on his iPhone is Arabic. I'm like, uh oh. But he looks like a very an older man, like a nice guy. Okay, so we go to Zichra Moshe. Zichra Moshe is a minion factory in the middle of Geula. That's where we're going to go down Mincha. Fine, we go to the Daven Mincha. I get out of the car. I walk into Zichra Moshe. There's a man standing there with a safer. He said, "I just wrote this twenty shkalim, twenty shkalim." I'm like, okay, let me see. I take the, take the safer. I start looking at it a little bit. I'm like, oh my goodness. I left the bag in the front seat. I'm talking a lot of money. It's not money, but it's, it's items that are worth a lot of money. I'm like, oh my gosh. I don't even think for a second because I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead if I lost this. I start, I run out of shul. I didn't, I forgot to give him back the book. So I, I'm running with his book. He thinks this guy's a ganaf, right? And I start running. To, as if Ramosha goes to the main street, I start running. It's 100 degrees. Last week was 100 degrees every day. Yushalayim was 96 degrees. Human. I'm running. I'm not so much in shape. Like a wild man. I'm, and every, as I'm running, I'm looking at every taxi. I got to find the taxi. I run all the way up to Kikar Shabbat. I run back through Gula. Gone. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I can't go home. I can't go home without this. I can't go home. I'm, I'm flipping out. I didn't dive in Mincha and I realized that this guy's safer. So I go back to Zichra Moshe. I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I ever going to find it? He didn't have a name of a company. He didn't have his name. I don't even... Who do I call? I have no... I, don't, I walk in. And you can imagine. I'm washing my hands from the You can imagine my head is... I'm gone. Right? And this guy comes up to me. Wallerstein! I'm like, not now. Wallerstein! Don't you remember me from America? Like, listen to me. Not now. Not now. I, I can't talk to you right now. You have to give me, you have to give me, you have to give me. I'm like, no, I don't have to give you anything. I have to go dive it and I have to go find this thing that I lost. No, no, you have to give me, you have to give me, you have to give me. 
I wanted to punch him in the head. I really did. I said, you know what? You know, uh, uh, you know what? Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you. I take it out of my wallet, 20 bucks. Not one buck, not five, 20 bucks. I'm like, okay, you're right. Hatzlacha bracha. Oh, no. I want $100. This is nothing. Excuse me? This is nothing. I want more. You have to give me more. You always give me more. I'm like, take it and enjoy it or give it back. I just wasn't in the mood. He says, I see you running all over. You know what happens when you lose something? So I'm thinking to myself, one second. It's not in the car. When I came to, when he gave me the safer, I put it down. It's probably in Zikramosha. So when I came back, I'm looking through all the tables, whatever's hanging, everywhere, that it, maybe I left it there and someone found it and they put it somewhere else. So he saw this poor person, saw me running, searching, searching. He says, did you lose something? I said, yes, I lost something, and it's very valuable, and I don't know what to do, and I'm very messed up right now, and I really don't want to talk to you. I really don't want to talk to you. So I went to Dab Mincha. And I Dab Mincha. I, I went to Dab Mincha. I went to Dab Mincha. That, that's where my head was. Okay, I go to Dab Mincha. I'm like, at the end of Mincha, I'm like, okay, Ramea Balanes. Ramea Balanes, I need your help. I was by you yesterday. I went to Ramea Balanes. I was by you yesterday. I lost a few things in my life. I gave you a lot of money. I'm like, $500? If I, not if, $500. You're not supposed to say if I find it. Whether I find it or not, $500. Elikai de Maranena, Elikai de Maranena, Elikai de Maranena. $500. When I get back, I'm writing a check. Help me. Help me find this. Anyway, I leave Mincha. I don't know what to do. You know what? The, the place I left with the bag to get into the car maybe they have a camera so I call up the place and they have a camera and they're like which side of the street I said which side of the street okay give us an hour they get the tape they get everything they have the license plate of the cab I got the license plate Mishtara we went to the Mishtara lost and found I go to the Russian camp my, my day's gone all my plans are gone everything is gone I had the perfect trip Everything's smashed now because my whole day is gone. I'm in the Mishara. I'm waiting online for this and that. And the other. Finally, I get into the guy. I had my police badges on me to show him that I have badges to show him that I'm in, Mish- I'm in Mishara in America. I'm in Mishara in America. You better help me out, right? So I sit down. I'm trying everything. I sit down in front of him. Your name, your passport. They're so slow. A lot of time. I take out my badges. I'm like, I need Mishara in America. Ooh, Mashu, we're talking. I'm like, okay, now, cop, cop, like, you know. He says, I said, okay, I, I have the, 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 I have the license plate. Could you call, you, it's Mishra, you punch it in. Believe me, especially in Israel, because of the Arab, of, of the stuff. Just punch in the license plate, they know exactly who he is. I said, could you punch in the license plate and we'll call him up and I'll get back my bag. He goes, no. There's a new rule in Israel. You can't do that. The police are not allowed to do that anymore. We have to do chakira, bidika, chakira. Within maybe a week, we'll get back to you. But I said, I'm in America. And we'll get back to you. By the way, you go back to the shul where he dropped you off. See if they have a camera. Because if, it's very interesting, interesting. If they have a camera of you getting out of the car, because the camera showed I got into the car with the bag, with the green bag. If they have a camera that you got out of the car and you don't have the green bag, then they can tell the Arab 
we know he left the bag in your car. He came in with one. He didn't get out with one. So go back. Extremely valuable. No. Not only that, he will throw it in the garbage the minute he sees it. And he's an Arab. Okay? So I run back to the shul. I'm like, you have cameras? you have any cameras anywhere? We don't believe in cameras. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Shmira of the shul, the Kedush of the shul, they don't. They have no cameras. They don't need it. There's no cameras. I'm like, he says, no, it's a Misora. We are, our shul doesn't need cameras. We are protected. No, really, it's a very Kedush Dikashul. Okay, so I'm, I'm messed up over here. I'm totally messed up. You have to hear this story. This is the most amazing story. So that's it. I, I don't know what to do. I go home. I, I, go, I, go, I go home. I'm packing for the plane. And the bell rings. We're four guys on this trip. The bell rings. I'm like, I am beyond myself. I'm coming out of the shower. I'm packing. I'm like, tell my friend, you go. Find out who it is. Who could it be? Nobody knows I'm here, whatever it is. Hiya! I'm like, what's up? What's going on? There's a tzedakah man up here collecting tzedakah. Like, how would someone know that I'm even in the, the apartment, right? Not, it's not one of my regular times. I'm like, tell him to come back, Yom Kippur. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going upstairs to Tzedakah or whatever it is. I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Why should, you know, just go. He rang the bell. It's Barshet. Go, 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 go see what, go. Okay, I said, okay, I'm going to come up. I'm going to see who it is. Maybe it's one of my old guys that come to me always. I took my wallet with me. I come upstairs. You have to listen to this. I open the door. It's the guy from Shul. The one I gave the twenty dollars to, I'm like, don't even ask me for another penny. I'm not giving you another penny. I was so angry. I gave him twenty. What are you doing? Stop following me. He says, I'm not here for money. He says, there's there's two. You lost something, right? In the, in in the taxi, you told me today by Mincha. I said yes. He said, there's two numbers on this paper. They are Datim, they're, they're religious Jews who are very high in the police department. They'll track the license plate. I'm like, really? <laughs> Pull them up. In 20 minutes, they found the Arab where he was, who he is, the number. They called him. They said, you better, we know who you are, we know where you live. We know, they did. We know everything. You better get us back that bag. Someone left a bag in your car? He said, yes. I didn't know what to do with it. He said, you better get the bag. And to make a long story short, I, my plane was leaving at 11. Um, he, he said, I'll have the bag back at the house that I took it from at 11 o'clock. I was already on the plane. But my friend, who was delayed to the next day, he was there. The bag's in my house. Why am I telling you this story? I was sure that the tzedakah guy was there for money. I was chayshik b'cherim totally. When this guy spent a whole day finding these two guys that would be able to help me, he came upstairs. Of course, I gave him $100 after that, but he didn't ask me for it. I would have given, given him... It was worth over $10,000 what I lost. I would have given him much more than $100. And when someone puts his hands out, in your worst moment... It's for your good. It was in his sign. It was a test. You lost it. You're going to give him money. You gave him $20. He's going to ask you for more. You're going to lose it. What are you going to do? 
And in the end, you, you first of all, I have to tell you one other point that I didn't tell you. By my riv, before this whole thing went down with the paper and everything, I said, I guess $500, Ramea Balanes, is just not cutting it today. <laughs> so I'll up it to 1000 And kachaya. I got it back, and if someone puts his hand out to you, no matter what mood you're in, no matter how bad you're doing, give him tzedakah. I have no question that was the key. That was the test. We're going to make you so crazy, Wallerstein. And then when someone's going to put his hand out, we're going to see what you're going to do. You're going to lose it? You're going to bark? What are you going to do? In the end, this guy saved me money, tsaris, and a lot of other things. Amazing. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. And that these two guys did, they're tzaddikim. Because I don't know if they can lose their job. I don't know what could happen to them. What they did, they went into the information, you know, into the computers where you can get that information. And they, they got the guy. And, and I'll tell you something very fascinating. I was told to give the, the Arab driver $100 as a tip, that he didn't throw it out. He could have thrown it out. So I asked the person who gave me that Eitzah, why do I have to give him $100? Like, it's his job as a taxi driver to turn it in. And he said, you don't want to owe him anything in this world. You gave $100, you did a pidyan hanefesh. You don't owe him anything. You don't want to owe a guy like that anything in this world. If you owe him, you're going to have to pay back in some way. He paid for it. Bill him, paid for it. That's it, finished. His name's not in the Torah. His name, nothing's named after him. Just pay the money and have a good day. So no matter where you are and how you are and what you're thinking and what you're doing, someone puts his hand out, it's a test. At that moment, they put the hand out. like, oh, I'm not home. I can't. I don't. My back hurts. I have a headache. I'm not in the mood. No. Go and give him the money. Give him the tzedakah. Because tzedakah opens up all the gates. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.